0: Support for Gig with Mike Redmond comes from Music Connection. For 45 years connecting artists and musicians with each other and the industry. And you can find them on the web at musicconnection.com. Hi everybody, welcome to Gig. I'm your host, Mike Redman. In 2023, we had so many amazing guests that I thought I'd do a two-part wrap-up. That includes composer and sound designer, Dave Gross, talking about maintaining relationships and having a music career at the same time. Mike Boris, that talks about the challenges that a freelance producer faces in today's economy. Steve Picaro of Toto, who talks about working with Quincy Jones. I also have Damon Tedesco, who tells us about his role as a scoring mixer. And finally, Fight Rand, best advice for musicians and producers that want to have a successful career. Thank you so much for your support this year. It's been awesome. And I have a tremendous lineup for 2024, so stay tuned. I hope you've enjoyed this year, and I do hope you'll take the time to follow this podcast and support Gig with Mike Redman. So as always, let's jump right in. First off is my longtime friend, Dave Gross. He's the senior music editor and mixer at Bungie. Prior to that, he ran music and sound design for Microsoft. You won't find many people that know more about this business than Dave Do you have any advice for somebody uh, to try to keep a relationship together that's actually in the music business? Do you have any thoughts about it?
1: For me, I've only been married once and I got married really late in life. I think my mid thirties. I joke about it because my wife's a classical plays classical piano has no idea about the stuff I do and it's, it was really fun when we first started going out of me turning her on to other music. So, have you ever heard of Mother's Finest? You ever heard of you know some just uh, classical funk bands and it, it and, and even to this day we discover new stuff together which is great. I always joke that uh, you know one of the one of the secrets to a happy marriage. Which has nothing to do with what we do for our living, separate bathrooms and separate money. And we both, that's something that has, has really helped us. She's, she's got a successful career as well. You're right. It is, it is hard doing what we do. I think it's just being with the right person who understands it. I never did the whole, okay, well, dear, I'm gone for six months on tour thing. See you later. I've never, never did that, had led that kind of a, a lifestyle. Um, we decided early not to have kids, so we didn't really have that stress. I, I joke about the separate separate money thing, but it's been pretty important to us because I never have to ask if I want to buy a piece of gear because we don't have that family obligation of, well, no, you know, junior has to go to college. So we have to put money in a college fund. Um, we share our living expenses pretty, pretty equally. And that's been it, it's something I joke about a little bit. But now, you you know, we're talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, that's a kind of a serious big deal. If, if I want to buy new speakers for my studio, I just buy them and, and I don't have to worry about that money coming out of the house fund kind of a thing. Next up, Mike
0: Boris, who's been a close friend of mine for many years, was the director of music at McCann. For the past several years, he's been a freelance producer in New York City and a leader in the world of sonic branding for companies. As an independent producer, what are some of the challenges I think that face freelance contractors today in the business in general?
2: Well, number one is just making a living, you know, obviously. But the problem is budgets are all over the place. Mm. So um, you got to step back from the budget and think about what's the best solution for my client and the brand. It it saved the money. Wonderful. There's times where I'm working on a job that my how much I make might be based on a percentage Uh of, you know, whatever we're doing. And I can't pitch song A versus song B. I have to look at them and say, wow, song A is Oh my God, that's awesome. They're going to love this. Some me, I'm going to make a little more money on. Right. I always keep myself in check and step back before I hit send and before I put things together and say, okay, what's the best for the job, period. Money out of the equation, focus on the creative because making money is lovely. I got a family. I still got one in college. As a lot of people say, this is a long game. It's not a short game. I want to keep clients happy and coming back and enjoy what I do. And that doesn't happen if you're short-sighted.
0: You may know Steve Picaro from his work with the band Toto. Today he shares what it's like to work with one of the world's best known producers of all time, Quincy Jones. You know, I want to talk to you about Quincy Jones. You know, what, I mean, you've worked with lots and lots of producers, hundreds and hundreds of sessions, right? Mm -hmm. What makes a a producer like Quincy stand out uh, and makes him different than other producers?
3: Sure, it's easy. Well, Quincy, first of all, I got to say, he never, he was someone who never seemed to uh, um, it wasn't like there was some endless budget and it was silly and and order whatever you want for lunch. And and uh, we have all the time in the world, just the opposite. It was business. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was business, but but it was always what you were doing was always happening. It was always what you'd wind up doing for the most part was like, man, this is, you know what I mean? He would make you feel so good about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he'd erase your stuff in two seconds after you left the room.
0: (laughs) But he made you feel good about it.
3: (laughs) But at the time, no, I know this because a lot of times he would run something by me. You know, he'd run a tune by me and they would wait. He'd wait and see what I got up. And if he really, you know what I mean? And I know he'd kind of confer with Bruce, with Swedeen, because and, uh-huh. and, and, they'd already have something on tape oh, that gosh, someone uh-huh. else did. And in yeah. those days, we didn't have endless tracks. You know what I mean? They had to make choices yeah. right then and yeah. there. And if they thought what I had happening was a lot better, they would erase what was there. So I know they were doing the, wow. the same thing yeah. with me. I know. Mm-hmm. You know what i'm saying you know (laughs) yeah you know i had worked on a bunch of tunes and my stuff didn't wind up making the final cut and uh Mm -hmm. uh, it was because i was sure he was doing you know that with me it just was uh yeah there was always this musicality too to him there was Mm -hmm. always this Mm -hmm. this thing it was always and believe me uh when I say it was always happening, it, it was not yeah. at all a pushover either. It, yeah, the, I'm uh, sure. Especially yeah. with synths. I remember it would always, um, you know, I didn't like my synths to be bright. I was always trying to get things to sound realistic. But First often my my feeling, yeah. my string sounds would wind up sounding like flutes in the track. You know, very uh-huh. different. Uh-huh. Tweaking while the track was playing. And then they'd stop mm-hmm. the tape and I would hate the sound. Uh-huh. This is a real good lesson uh-huh. for all of us to learn. I would hate the sound. Yeah. I'd start... Changing it without the track playing to just make yeah. it sound good by itself, you know. But it would be like, you'd want to tweak it to the track because he'd always, at some point, he'd say, "Sven, let's hear what it sounds like on the radio," which meant play that mean, little
0: aura tones part. man. Yeah,
3: play it really soft on the aritones.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. You
3: know, and could they hear your yeah. part? Was your part making a difference? Was it
0: oh, even registering?
3: And uh, uh sometimes it wouldn't yeah. be. You know, uh-huh. It wouldn't be. Wow. I mean, we wouldn't want to be cluttering up the track with just, you know what I'm saying? You'd want it to still yeah. have some distinctive effect on the track. So it is always great.
0: Damon Tedesco grew up in the music business as the son of Tommy Tedesco, renowned guitarist and session musician, as well as part of the Wrecking Crew. He's a true gentleman and spends most of his days on sound stages in Hollywood. Would you explain what the
4: role of a scoring mixer is? Sure. So the role of a scoring mixer is I work with composers. So essentially the director hires the composer, right? And then the composer hires, hopefully a scoring mixer uh, to to record and mix their scores. Um, Sometimes it's super elaborate where you're dealing with a uh, a lot of live recordings and a lot of electronics and you're combining them and you're doing a mix. And then other times, um, depending on budget and everything else, I might just do main title, end title, and a few big cues, and that would be about the extent of it. So it's really, it really is a big variety. It's a big sweeping variety of how intricate it gets and then how loose it is. On musicals and stuff like that, um, I just helped out uh, on Beauty and the Beast for a few days, which was great. And that's the thing that's coming out in, I think, a week or two um on Disney plus i think so that was fun that was a lot of fun but it was orchestral but then prior to that we did songs and then uh did some vocal recordings and stuff like that and um scott smith was the scoring mixer and he brought me in on it so he was doing stuff and then i would record stuff and then get it to him and then he'd mix it at the same time as we were recording sessions so it was a pretty tight schedule so um yeah a lot of the stuff recently that i've been doing is um, there might be a scoring mixer. Like, um, I did a show called Willow, which is a great TV show, show that what's that? I, I saw it. It's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. So it just came out and, um, and Alan Meyerson, who's you know legendary scoring mixer was doing a ton of work at the same time. So he's recording and, then he would be mixing and then I would be recording for him. So it's a lot of tag teaming. It seems a little bit more like that nowadays because of the workload and the way schedules are.
0: And last but not least fight Wren, producer, songwriter, engineer, you name it. He's worked with the best in the business and he shares some advice on what it takes to be successful as a musician and producer. We have some, uh, some of your own personal advice that you could share with people that are wanting to consider I mean that you I mean there's obviously hundreds of thousands that want to be artists and or producers and or engineers you know something about the business that's like not maybe as well obvious I think there's there's think.
5: two facets to that that have to be cons- considered mm. that musicians are mm-hmm. and producers are particularly bad at one is networking um, and mm-hmm. the other one is um, uh, just the sense of being a product. So what I always uh, try to explain to people is this. Look at the mus- music you're producing as dishwash detergent. If you were in the business okay. of dishwash detergent, how important would marketing be? Would it be more important to spend more time to make the dishwash detergent a better dishwash detergent? Or would it be better to spend your money and time on advertising and marketing? And if you can answer mm-hmm. that question, now you know what you're doing wrong right because mm, no, that's, right mm-hmm. so because once you realize how much time these companies and money they spend on that part instead of the other part that we mm-hmm. think is so important right. you realize why they're successful and you we are not and the other one is that i've learned is um, um and, and i'm very particularly bad at this is networking i have friends that are 10 times better networker mm-hmm. than musicians and they're way more successful than i am Mm. because they know how to do it. I have one friend in particular, his skill set is that he remembers everything about you. If you mention your wife's name, your kid's name, where they go to school, you guys just have a regular conversation and you talk to him a a year later, he will ask you, how is John and Mary? And how is Susan? And and how is that thing, that project? He he remembers everything. And this is one of those skills where... He, why is that important? Is because people can immediately feel like he's their friend, right? And Correct. that yeah. builds relationships. He's the kind of guy that every two, three months he'll call an A&R guy at a label, and just say, hey, just call him to see how you doing. Not asking for anything. You know, he has that networking skill of constantly staying on people's mind. And one thing is sure mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. this business is out of sight, out of mind. If you don't contact yes. these a r guys continuously and be in the back of their minds, um, there's 10 other guys that just walked through the door that are right in front of them. That's the one they're thinking about. They're not thinking about you. Once again,
0: thank you everybody for supporting Gig with Mike Redman. Please hit that like button, that share button or any buttons that are in front of you so that we can reach as many people as possible. I hope you have an awesome year. I'm Mike Redman, signing off.